0: Hello, friends and fam. Some of you may have noticed this Moby Dick project has come to a halt about five months ago when my daughter was born. I tried to keep on going, but with sleep schedules in flux and general upside downness of life proved to be too much for me. So it's with a heavy heart that I'm announcing that I'm going to start over at chapter one. I'm fucking kidding. That sounds like an absolute nightmare. I'm here to announce that I'm getting back to it. Perhaps not as consistently as before, but I'm going to try, damn it. And I'm glad this happened in a weird way. The sheer size of the novel, you know, has a real way of overtaking you. And, you know, the point of this project was finishing a novel that I found unfinishable, having tried many times. I think our tension spans are just <laughs> just not built for this, especially because I think Moby Dick is so much more slice of life than hero enters, hero vanquishes villain, hero exits. At least so far, uh, you know, it seems like it's much more an examination of the culture of whaling than a monomaniacal quest for revenge. But you know, who knows? I mean, that may change. I mean, what do I know? I'm only halfway through the book halfway which is to say also you know this novel is is genius but it's also a huge mess you know Melville had no editor that much is obvious anyway the point is the show is returning and I'm back and this experiment kind of folding in on itself was you know very meta in a way perhaps um that I lapsed on this thing that was supposed to keep me going you know something about that's kind of funny too. So, anyway, here's the chapter. Chapter 73. Stubb and Flask kill a right whale and then have a talk over him it must be borne in mind that all this time we have a sperm whale's prodigious head hanging to the pequod's side but we must let it continue hanging there a while till we can get a chance to attend to it for the present other matters press and the best we can do now for the head is to pray heaven the tackles may hold now during the past night and forenoon the pequod had gradually drifted into a sea which by its occasional patches of yellow brit gave unusual tokens of the vicinity of right whales and species of the leviathan that but few supposed to be at this particular time lurking anywhere near and though all hands commonly disdained the capture of those inferior creatures, and though the Pequod was not commissioned to cruise for them at all, and though she had passed numbers of them near the crozettes without lowering a boat, yet now that a sperm whale had been brought alongside and beheaded to the surprise of all, the announcement was made that a right whale should be captured that day, if opportunity offered." nor was this long wanting. Tall spouts were seen to be leeward, and two boats, Stubbs and Flask, were detached in pursuit. Pulling further and further away, they at last became almost invisible to the men at the masthead. But suddenly, in the distance, they saw a great heap of tumultuous white water, and soon after the news came from aloft that one or both the boats must be fast, An interval passed, and the boats were in plain sight in the act of being dragged right towards the ship by a towing whale. So close did this monster come to the hull that at first it seemed as if it meant in malice. But suddenly, going down in a maelstrom with three rods of the plank, he wholly disappeared from view as if diving under the keel. Cut! Cut! was the cry from ship to boats, which for one instant seemed on the point of being brought with a deadly dash against the vessel's side but having plenty of line yet in the tubs and with the whale not sounding very rapidly they paid out abundance of rope and at the time pulled with all their might so as to get ahead of the ship For a few minutes the struggle was intensely critical, for while they still slacked out the tightened line in one direction and still plied their oars in another, the contending strain threatened to take them under. But it was only a few feet advance they sought to gain, and they stuck to it till they gained it, when, instantly, a swift tremor was felt under like a lightning along a keel as the strained line scraping beneath the ship suddenly rose to view under the bows, snapping and quivering, and so flinging off its drippings that the drops fell like bits of broken glass on the water, while the whale beyond also rose to sight, and once more the boats were free to fly. But the fagged whale abated his speed, and blindly altering his course, went round the stern of the ship, towing the two boats after him, so they performed a complete circuit." Meanwhile, they hauled more and more upon their lines, till, close flanking him on both sides, Stub answered Flask with a lance for lance, and thus round and round the Pequod the battle went, while multitudes of sharks that had been before swum around the sperm whale's body rushed to the fresh blood that was spilled thirstily drinking at every new gash, as the eager Israelites did and the new bursting fountain that poured from the smitten rock. At last, his spout grew thick, and with a frightful roll and vomit, he turned upon his back a corpse. While two headsmen were engaged in making fast cords to his fluke and in other ways getting the mass in readiness for towing, some conversation ensued between them. "'I wonder what the old man wants "'with this lump of foul lard,' said Stubb, "'not without some disgust "'at the thought of having to do "'with so ennoble a leviathan. "'Wants with it?' said Flask, coiling some spare line in the boat's bow. Did you never hear that the ship, which but once a sperm whale's head hoistened onto her starboard side, and at the same time a right whale's on the larboard? Did you never hear, Stubb, that that ship can never afterwards capsize? Why not? I don't know, but I heard that gambage ghost of a Fadala saying so, and he seemed to know all about the ship's charms." "'But I sometimes think he'll charm the ship to no good at last. "'I don't half like that chap, Stubb. "'Did you ever notice how that tusk of his, "'a sort of carved into the snake's head, stub "'Sink him. I never look at him at all. "'But if I ever get a chance of a dark night "'and he's standing hard by the bulwarks, "'and no one by, look down there, Flask, "'pointing to the sea with a peculiar motion of both hands. "'Aye, will I, Flask. "'I take that Fidala to be a devil in disguise.' Do you believe that cock and bull story about his having been stowed away on board ship? He's the devil, I say. The reason why don't you see his tail is because he tucks it out of sight. He carries it coiled away in his pocket, I guess. Blast him. Now that I think of it, he's always wanting oakum to stuff in his toes of his boots. He sleeps in his boots, don't he? He hasn't got any hammock, but I've seen him lay by night in the coil of rigging. No doubt. It's because of his cursed tail he coils it down, do you see, in the eye of the rigging. What's the old man have so much to do for him? Striking up a swap or a bargain, I suppose. Bargain? About what? Why, do ye see, the old man is hard bent after the white whale, and that devil there is trying to come round him and get him to swap away his silver watch or his soul or something of that sort, and then he'll surrender Moby Dick. Pooh, stub, you are a skylark. How can Fadala do that? I don't know, Flask. But the devil is a curious chap and a wicked one, I tell ye. Why they say as how he went a sauntering into the old flagship once, switching his tail about devilish easy and gentlemanlike, in inquiring if the old governor was at home. Well, he was at home and asked the devil what he wanted. The devil switching his hoofs up and says, "I want John." For what says the governor? "What business is that of yours?" says the devil, getting mad. "'I want to use him, take him,' says the governor. "'And by the Lord, Flask, "'and if the devil don't give John the Asiatic cholera "'before he got through with him, "'I'll eat this whale in one mouthful. "'But look sharp. Ain't he already there? "'Well, then, pull ahead, and let's get the whale alongside.' "'I think I remember some such story you were telling,' said Flask, "'when at last the two boats were slowly advancing "'with their burden toward the ship. "'But I can't remember where. Three Spaniards?' "'Adventures of those three bloody-minded Salvados? "'Did you read it there, Flask? "'I guess ye did. "'No, I never saw such a book. "'Heard of it, though. "'But now, tell me, Stubb, "'do you suppose that the devil you were speaking of just now "'was the same you say is now aboard the Pequod? "'Am I the same man that helped kill this whale? "'Does the devil live forever? "'Who ever heard that the devil was dead? "'Did you ever see any parson a-wearing mourning for the devil?' And if the devil has a latch key to get into the Admiral's cabin, don't you suppose he can crawl into a porthole? Tell me that, Mr. Flask. How old do you suppose Fadala is, Stubb? Do you see that mainmast there? Pointing to the ship. Well, that's the figure one. Now take all the hoops in the Pequod's hold and string em along in a row, and that mast, for aught do you see... Well, that wouldn't begin to be Fadala's age, nor all the coopers in creation couldn't show the hoops enough to make aughts enough. But see here, stub, I thought you a little boasted just now, that you meant to give Fadala a sea toss, if you got a good chance. Now, if he's so old as all those hoops of yours come to, and if he is going to live forever, what good will it do you to pitch him overboard? Tell me that. Give him a good ducking, anyhow. But he'd crawl back. Duck him again, and keep ducking him. Suppose he should take it into his head to duck you, though, yes, and drown you. What then? I should like to see him try. I'd give him a pair of black eyes that he wouldn't dare to show his face in the Admiral's cabin again for a long while, let alone down in the Orlop there, where he lives and whereabouts on the upper decks where he sneaks so much. Damn the devil, Flask. Do you suppose I'm afraid of the devil? Who's afraid of him? Except the old governor who doesn't dare catch him up and put him in the double dare breeze. As he deserves, but lets him go about kidnapping people, I and sign a bond with him that all the people the devil kidnapped. He'd roast for me. There's a governor. Do you suppose Fadala wants to kidnap Captain Ahab? Do I suppose it? You'll know it before long, Flask, but I'm going to now keep a sharp lookout on him. "'and if I see anything very suspicious going on, "'I'll just take him by the nape of his neck and say, "'Look here, Bezzelbub, you don't do it. "'And if he makes any fuss, "'by the Lord, I'll make a grab into the pocket for his tail, "'take him to the capstain, "'and give him such a retching and heaving "'that his tail will come short off the stump, do you see? "'And then, I'd rather guess, "'that he finds himself docked in that queer fashion. "'He'll sneak off without the poor satisfaction "'of feeling his tail between his legs.' "'And what will you do with the tail, Stub? "'Do with it. Sell it for an ox-whip when we get home. What else?' "'Now, do you mean to say you've been saying all along, Stubb?' "'Mean or not mean, here we are at the ship.'" The boats were here hailed, to tow the whale on the larboard side, where fluke chains and other necessities were already prepared for securing him. "'Didn't I tell you so?' said Flask. "'Yes. You'll soon see the right whale's head hoisted up opposite the Parmacetes.' In good time, Flask's saying proved true. As before, the Pequod steeply leaned over toward the sperm whale's head. Now, by the counterpoise of both heads, she regained her even keel, though sorely strained, as you may believe. So, when on one side you hoist in Locke's head, you go in that way. But now, on the other side, hoist in Kant's, and you come back again, but in very poor plight. Thus, some minds forever keep trimming boat.' "'Oh, ye foolish, throw all these thunderheads overboard, "'and then you will float light and right.' "'In disposing of the body of the right whale, "'when brought alongside the ship, "'the same preliminary proceedings "'commonly take place in the case of the sperm whale. "'Only in the latter instance, the head is cut off whole, "'but in the former, the lips and tongue "'are separately removed and hoist on deck, "'with all the well-known black bone "'attached to what is called the crown piece.' But nothing like this, in the present case, had been done. The carcass of both whales had dropped astern, and the head-laden ship not a little resembled a mule carrying a pair of overburdened parniers. Meanwhile, Fidala was calmly eyeing the right whale's head, and ever anon glancing from the deep wrinkles there to the lines of his own hand. And Ahab chanced so to stand that the Parsee occupied his shadow, While if the Parsi's shadow was there at all, it seemed only to blend with and lengthen Ahab's. As the crew toiled, the Laplandish speculations were bandied among them concerning all these passing things.